something in us. Placed it in Abraham. He placed it in Abraham's seed. Who against hope, believed in hope. <laughs> and against anything that the natural man would look at, yet there was something inside. That's, I believe it's in us. And I thank God that it's there and it's, it's, it's holding us. It's keeping us. God bless you. Nice to be home. Good to be away. Good to come home. And uh, just... Uh, about 10, 12 days in Ghana and Nigeria, but we had a wonderful time in the meetings, convention, and I thank you for your prayers, and Lord willing, I'll share a little bit more on that on Sunday, but I just want to thank you. It was a really a blessing for them, for me, and whenever God comes, it's a blessing for all of us, so I want to thank you for your prayers and your support. Thank you to the brothers who are here. I believe you had some good services. I caught little parts of them. So God bless each one for being faithful. God bless the ministers. It's good to be here. Nice to have you here, Brother Brent, Brother Warren. You brought a little extra to the service whenever you guys come. God bless you. Really good that you're here. And uh, good to be part of the body, isn't it? Amen. It's a living organism. It's the spirit of the living God that dwells in us. We're not here by association. We're here because we're birthed into a body. Amen. Today is November 8th, and 25 years ago, 1998, there's a lady that started a role in our church as a church secretary, and that was Sister Janet. And I think she's in the back office, but that was 25 years ago, and I think she's watching in. I just want to say we appreciate her. We thank her, I, as I wrote in a little card, for her administrative help for all the little reminders she gives us and for putting up with a cast of characters. <laughs> There's a cast of characters here. Sister Janet, God bless you. We appreciate you. Let's give her a hand. Amen. Well, I'm going to get out of the way. I'm grateful to the brothers that minister here. I'm grateful for the gifts that God has given this assembly. And uh, we're going to make way for one of them. Brother John is here. Um, it's, it's now 51 weeks since Brother John is married. So he has just about made it to a year. We're going to pray for him that he can endure for another week. But uh, 
You know, the Bible has a little saying about um, when a man is married, he's supposed to stay at home and cheer his wife, and after that he can go to war. So he's only really been on loan to us a little here and there, but you know, after next weekend, he's going to be going into war again. And so, Brother John, we love you, we appreciate you, and uh, we're looking forward to what God has for us. Let's sing, I'm pressing on, higher ground. We can just sing that as our brother John comes today. I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day.
How many wants to aim a little higher? Go a little bit farther, a little bit deeper. Amen. Amen. Well, we want to welcome everyone to the house of the Lord. There's a wonderful spirit here tonight. And welcome everyone that's here. I'll still get my nerves going in the same direction. I see different people, though. Brother Brent, Brother Warren, it's good to see you. I, I'd give you my notes or give you my, my suit to wear, but it might look a little funny on you. And armor may not fit so well, but we'll, it's good to have you here. And Brother Kendall. Or the Regan, or Regan, I believe. Yeah, I was remembering, is it Regan or Regan? But good to see you here. So I'll bless you all. I want to welcome you to the house of the Lord. Maybe if we could just, maybe thank you to the musicians. Um, maybe if we could start to turn to Second, First Corinthians, sorry. First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, chapter 5, I'm sorry. Second Corinthians, chapter 5. How many enjoyed the weekend services? Amen. I, we, we were away, Hannah and I slipped away to Saskatchewan last weekend, and, um, but we heard wonderful things about the morning service, and we had a chance to stream in to Brother Max in the evening service as we drove home, and, and just wonderful. There was a thought there that Brother Max had touched on that just began to open up a channel that I'd further that I've been kind of thinking about for tonight, and we just trust the Lord for tonight, and may God move. I, I'd like to speak uh, my, my thought tonight, the title, it's maybe a sobering thought, and it's been something that's just running through my mind and been sobering to me, and I pray it would come out the right way, but discerning my true intent. What, what, did it, what was my true intent when I did that, when I, in the direction, in my mind, and what is my true intent? Discerning my true intent. We're going to look a little bit at maybe others' true intent, but I want to turn it inward as well, and, 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 and may, may God... He's been working on me. I pray it would be a blessing, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath recon reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Amen. Not for ourself, for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 to 13. Let us therefore labor to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow and, a and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. God bless you. You can have your seats. 
I believe it was within the last few years, Brother Ed, had, maybe even in the last couple of years, Brother Ed had played the, a service for us, a, a tape called Discernment of Spirit, just most, and within the last couple of years, and it had struck me, Discernment of Spirit, and, and, and I began to think a little bit in the last just days, I'll just say it, for, it's funny, I was at work, I saw someone, and I just got this critical little thought, I thought, oh, they're just kind of that kind of person, and, and God began to just work on my mind and my heart. Why would you judge in that way? Why would you go in that way? Judge not that you be not judged. With what measure you meet, the way you think about that person, someone's going to think of you the same way. It'll be that same measure, the same thing that you've laid out, that same thing that we've done. It'll come back around because that's a principle that God's laid out. And, and just I had this little negative thought, and, but it just began to grow, this thought. What, what are, what's my intent in life? What's my thought process in life? What... What motive do I have in life? And I, it just began to work on my heart. And I hope this is okay. I, it's already, I hope this is okay. But Brother Brandon would preach a service called Discernment of Spirit. And he would begin to lay out how do you discern a spirit, the importance of it. And he would begin to show out a pattern. But, but first, maybe, I want to just read his opening scripture in Psalms 105. And it was so different than I would have thought. But he get, began to just read a scripture that was praising the Lord for the greatness of the Lord. And, I, I, and, and he, in Psalms 105, verse 1, it would say, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him. Sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord, not man. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. O ye seed of Abraham, his servants, ye children of Jacob, his chosen. He is the Lord. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He hath remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations building this picture of a God that's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-worthy, and the only one that we ought to really care about. The only one that we ought to really focus on. The only one that we ought to seek to glorify. Confirmed his oath unto Isaac. He confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law, unto Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying unto thee will I give the land of Canaan, the lot of your inheritance, when they were but, few, but a few men in number, yea, very few, and strangers in it, when they went from one nation to another, one kingdom to another people, he suffered no man to do them wrong. It wasn't their strength. He suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sake, saying, touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. All that we are, all that we will ever be, all that we could ever have glory in is in another person. A great God, Jehovah God, Jesus Christ. All that we could ever hope to be is in him. And not in ourself, not in our strength, not in our intent, not in anything that would self-glorify ourselves. Now we know that each of us have a purpose on this earth. We have a purpose in a, born in ourselves. We have gifts, we have talents, we have, we have things that have been placed in us that make us good at different things. But a gift is not from us, it was given to us. 
And a gift is not for us. It's to edify someone else. The gift is to flow through us, given to us by God to edify the body of Christ. A gift is never meant to glorify the man or the woman that has the gift. But a gift can be used in many different ways. A good singer can go and sell their soul for rock and roll. A a, a man that was even meant to be a preacher could go write books or be a motivational speaker and use that gift to lift himself up, to make a lot of money, to, to be popular, to have all of those things. And it was a gift. Gifts and callings are without repentance. So yes, there are indeed many people gifted to many things that could have been used for the body of Christ, and they chose a different path. Like Elvis Presley, born maybe as a Baptist or a Pentecostal, whatever it was, and sold his soul, Brother Brandon would say, for a fleet of Cadillacs. Gifted man could have been used and sold out. But now we also have a denom- denominational preachers or different ones that will come and, and raise up and build a kingdom even for the gospel, quote unquote, building their own kingdom, building their own way. And I ask, what would their true intent be? Which way are they pointing? It was, it was, it was interesting to me as Brother Brandon would start the service for discernment of spirits. He would read that scripture, Psalms 105, oh, give thanks to the Lord and, and, and a glorification of God. And then he would he would say this, he would switch gears, he would say, may the Lord bless the reading of his words. I have a few scriptures written out here somewhere that, here somewhere that I was going to refer to perhaps along the road, and then he switches, and it's March, it's 1960, and he asks this question. He says, and this is a question we can ask just today too, just fine. He says, I wonder, who's going to be the next president? He says, I wonder, who's going to be the next president? It's March 1960, John F. Kennedy was going to be elected in November. And he says, The election's coming up, you know. Who's going to be president this next term? What if I knew? There's only one that does know, and that's God. But what if God would reveal to me who's going to be the next president? And I stood here in Phoenix and made a prediction that such and such a man would be the next president of the United States, and and they would place it in the papers and so forth, and I would hit it right on the dot. In another place, he would say, I'd know the over and under and how many votes for this, and and I, I would know exactly what it would be, and it would be perfect, and it would be all that I said would come to pass, but what good would that do? What good is it anyhow if I could do such a thing? The papers would advertise it. It would go out if such a person could make such a prediction. And it would be true. All the newspapers, all the magazines. But he says, but God doesn't do things like that. God doesn't show things like who's going to be the next president or, or what this or what that about the news. He says, or how much rain are we going to get this year? What would be the edification to the church going in a rapture to know that? He says, God doesn't do things like that. God doesn't use his powers and his gifts for foolishness. He calls that foolishness. Who will be the next president? Oh, there's many great men and women that want to be president today. But it's foolishness. He would say, oh, it's going to be whatever's president, it'll be president. And to know who which would be president wouldn't help us one penny. He said, and to know who would be president, it wouldn't do us one bit of good to know who's going to be president. God doesn't do things like that. He says, if I made such a prediction, it came to pass, and the newspaper packed it. And He says, then it would be to my glory. People would say, oh, look what a great prophet Brother Branham is. He told us long before it happened who would be president, and that would be to my glory. But God doesn't. 
He's not interested in working things to my glory or to any other man's glory. He's interested in working things to his glory, something that will profit. Like Paul said, if we speak with tongues and do not have an interpreter, what good does it do? We only edify ourselves. That's kind of out of line for God, he says. God wants to be edified himself. We're not to seek self-edification, but to edify God with all that we do. What is edify? To build up. We have a king. There's a kingdom that we're building up. And it's not of our own kingdom. It's not of our own humanity. It's not of our own arm of flesh that we contend with. It's another kingdom. It's another place. When God uses his gifts, he uses them for his own glory and for the glory of his people, for the glory of the church, for the edifying of the body of Christ and for the glory of the kingdom of God and not a man or a woman, but for the body of Christ. That's why he gives us things in this church. That's why he gives us teachers, prophets, evangelists, pastors. They're for the edification of the church and for the glory of God. The prophet is not to get out and middle, mingle with the world and try to take a gift like Balaam did and make havoc out of it or money out of it or something. If he's a prophet, he's supposed to real, reveal God to the church and stay out of the things of the world. It's all for the glory of God. Now, Brother Branham would make a statement in the, in the message, Discernment of Spirit. He would say, I, I think it's good for, for us as ministers, and I think it was to a minister's meeting, so I'll say it's good for all of us, to follow our order when we see such things as we see today in the world. We have an order from God for the discerning of spirits. He says we have an order, we have a, we have a purpose, we have something to be able to discern the spirits around us. I believe that it's a very great lesson for the church today is to try the spirit of anything, have discernment of the spirit, but he's very quick to qualify something. He says, I do not think that we should ever, by any means, try to judge a person by the denomination they belong to, or I'll say, by what church they go to in the message, or where they attend, or what they are, by the organization, or by the area, what spirit do they have? It has nothing to do with boxes and circles and this and that, they're them. And they're, but what spirit does the man have? And how do you discern the spirit of the man? I do not think by any means we should ever try to judge a person, he says, by the denomination they belong to or the group that they're assembled with, whether they be Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, whatever they are, we should never judge the man by the denomination he belongs to we should always judge him by the spirit he has. Whether he's latter rain or former rain or inner or outer rain, he says, or, by, or, or, or whatever it might be, we never judge him by that, but by his spirit. We are, trying to, we are to discern spirits. And he begins to lay out, how do you discern a spirit? Because we almost think that discerning a spirit is, you know, I'll, I'll almost see a vision or I'll see something or I'll feel that, oh, that's this spirit or, or, or you know, it's more simple than that. Yeah. It's more simple than that. God can show us things. There's times where there's a gift of discernment or something that could come. But watch what the man has in mind. What's he trying to achieve? What's his motive and what's his objective? So often we look at someone and we see, oh, they're odd and they're kind of, they do it different. I would have handled it different. I would have, 
but give them just a little bit of time and begin to watch which way were they pointing. Because sometimes someone would have done something totally different than I would have done, but their heart was so for Christ. They wanted to try to pull that person into God. Pull it not just to promote themselves, but they were looking to promote to Christ. They were selling out their life for God. They might have done it differently than I thought. But I, and I might have wrote them off thinking, oh, they've got a wrong spirit. No, no. What direction? What's their mind? What were they pointing to? It's bigger than we think, just, oh, they did it different. Or they're, they're. God help us to truly discern a spirit and not just write someone that they did it differently or they did it this way. But what's their heart? What were they trying to achieve? And what are we trying to achieve? We are to discern spirits. Watch what the man has in mind, what he's trying to achieve. If a man, no matter how great the gift is, and he, he would go on, Brother Brandon would say, now there's so much today in the day that we live in pertaining to gifts. So many people judge people by the gifts that they have. Well, that man's a great musician, or that man's a great preacher, or that man, or that woman, she can teach a Sunday school like nothing else, or whatever it would be. And we, we, we look at them by the gift and then, and then say, well, and then, therefore, they're a great Christian. Or, I have a gift, and therefore, I'm a great Christian. Brother, Brown, Brother, Brother Andrew preached a wonderful service not long ago, a bit ago now, hiding behind your gift. We, we, the gift works, God uses the gift, therefore, I'm justified between God. Oh, God, search our hearts. Make it real. Make it true. People, so many people judge people by the gifts that they have. Well, I believe that those, these are gifts. I believe that we see what we see take place is gifts, and they're God-given gifts. But see, if we do not use them in the right way that God intended them to be used, we can do more harm with the gifts than we could if we did not have the gifts. He says, I made the statement at the pulpit, I would rather see brotherly love exist among the church if we didn't have one case of healing or anything else. I want to see the love of God in the church. Why? Because that's, that's what edifies God. That's what edifies each other. If a man comes and he has a great gift, no matter if he belongs to our denomination or another denomination, our church or another church, don't judge him by what, I'll say, what church he comes from, how he dresses, but what you want to see is what is he trying to do with that gift? What purpose he has. If he's trying to take his influence and build himself up a great name out of it, I'd have, deser I've, I'd have discernment of spirit enough to know that that's wrong. No matter how great a teacher he is, how powerful he is, how intellectual he is, how his gift operates, if he isn't trying to achieve something for the benefit of the body of Christ, your own spiritual discernment would tell you that's wrong. No matter how accurate, no matter how perfect, it's wrong if it isn't used for the body of Jesus Christ. Oh my. So what is discernment of spirit? Well, all the way back to the beginning, what was Lucifer's intent? He was in heaven. He was created co-equal almost with God or just, one, just a little bit lacking. He couldn't create. However, exactly, he was placed with God. He was the worship leader. But he thought, he, wasn't, he, he, he lost his motive for a while. Maybe he, he glorified God. But something rose in his heart. And he said, I will ascend. I will be like the Most High. And he wanted the worship. He was seeking out for the worship that God had. And that thread began to set out. And that's the, the way now even you look. And how do you discern a spirit? The right, the wrong. Is it that I will ascend or is it that he be lifted up? 
and draw all men to me. If we notice the motives, I'll switch just a little bit farther. We'll take a look in the Bible. If we, if we notice the motives and objectives of the Old Testament prophets, then men had one objective, and that was Jesus Christ, though they didn't even know the name Jesus Christ back then. They had one thing, and their whole theme of the Old Testament was built around the coming Messiah. They did not go out and just do things for money or fame. They had one thing. They were anointed with the Spirit of God, and they predicted the coming Messiah. Those men were so anointed with the Spirit until they sometimes acted like the Spirit that was within them. They seemingly spoke of themselves like David saying, you know, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Someone from the outside could have looked and said, what are you talking about? But he was so consumed by Christ, he was glorifying him. Watch how the Spirit of God made them act. Moses, for instance, the great prophet, that man had no selfish objective at all. Think of it. He could have been the king of Egypt. He could have been raised to be second in command or first in command in the greatest nation in the world at that time. He, ha- he could have had the whole world under his feet. But because he was a prophet at heart, because there was a true seed of God at heart, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the persecutions and trials of Christ, esteeming the treasures of heaven greater than them, treasures of Egypt. All you think of Moses, he, he came and so reflected Christ in a way that he could have built himself up. Even when he was leading the children of Israel and God had placed him leading these two million people, he could have got lifted up in and of himself and, and felt he was a little better, with the, better than the people. He could have found a way that maybe all the complaining and all the different things that he had to contend with maybe would have got to him after a while. And, and there came a point where God said, separate yourself from them. I'll wipe them out and I'll make a nation out of you. What a test to see what your true intent is. When you've got a, a group of people that, you're, that, that, that are following, but they complain and they murmur and they seek to stone you and, and then they praise God and then they seek to stone you again because there's bitter water and all of these things day after day after day. And here's an opportunity where God says, I'm tired of them, I'm tired of them, you're probably tired of them, I'll wipe them out, I'll start a nation. But what did he do? He reflected Christ. And he says, God, if Brother Branham would say, oh, Moses threw himself in the path of God's judgment and said, take me before you take them. In other words, before you can get to them, you'll have to go over me. Oh, what a thing to say. Oh, my, that's exactly what Jesus Christ did when God would have wiped out the whole face of the earth off with these sinners, you and I. But Christ threw himself in the path. God could not do it. He couldn't come over his own son. What was Moses doing? He was reflecting something from another kingdom. He was reflecting Christ to come. He wasn't living for his own motive or intent. He could have thought, you know, I, I, I missed out on my chance to be Pharaoh of Egypt, but, but here's my chance to raise up a new nation or, or, or have his own something. But it was sacrificed. He, he, he was there to glorify God. What we must discern today, the spirit of a man, what is he trying to do? What's he getting at? Not what group he belongs to or, or what this or that or the other, whether he's a white man, black man, yellow man, whatever he is, let's see what he's trying to achieve. Let's take that and see what he's trying to do for the kingdom of God. He's got odd ideas to ours. That's perfectly all right if he's trying to achieve something for the kingdom of God. 
discern that in him. If he's wrong and true in heart, God will bring him around to the truth of the thing after a while. Oh, what a promise. If he's wrong but true in heart, God will bring him back around. Let him alone. Let him alone. See what he's trying to do. The scripture would say, judge nothing before it's time. There's a time and a place. I think often, I think it was Brother Menno, I, I don't know if I can say it, how Brother Menno would say it, but he says sometimes you, you see something, you're not sure about it, you, it, it doesn't look right, or give it some time. Let it walk down the path for a while. Let the man go down the path for a while. Begin to see what was he trying to achieve? What was he trying to get to? He might have done this wrong, or he might have done that wrong. She might have done this wrong or that wrong. But what was the heart that they were trying to achieve? They were learning. Maybe they were going through a time where they were this way or that way. But what were they trying to achieve? Were they trying to edify the body of Christ? There you are, spiritual discernment. Regardless of who it is, it's my brother as long as he's trying to achieve the same purpose that I'm working for. There was, there was, was a John and, and, and James, they came to, to, came to Jesus and they said, shall we call fire down on heaven for them? They were casting out devils and, and Jesus said, you know not what spirit you're of. If they're not against us, they're for us. Let him be the prophet, let him be pastor, let him be deacon, let him be so-and-so. Let God honor him this way, that way, whatever it is. Dishonor me, whatever he wants to do, yet that's my brother. We're working for the same thing. All of our works into the same kingdom yonder, he's working for the same thing I am. Spiritual discernment. Spiritual revelation of God. I'll switch gears a little bit now. I just want to begin to turn the corner a little bit, but Brother Brandon would go, go back again later on in the message and he'd say, who's president? Who's going to be? Who's it, who's it going to be? Are we going to have enough rain this year? That don't mean nothing. Something for the glory of God. Something to set the church in order. Something for the power of God. Not to make yourself a name, but to make the glory of God manifested. All that we'd be a vessel. That we would be so set aside and so consecrated and so burnt out from the inside that there'd be nothing left of our own humanity. Nothing left of our own motive that we'd be there to glorify God. Recently in, in America, they had uh, some political drama go on, and that happens often in all countries. But there was an American politician, and if you know the story, you know the story, but he really wanted to be the Speaker of the House. And I began to watch the story over the last month since January, and, and he tried. He really wanted to be the Speaker of the House. And the, the United States is divided into the Senate and Congress, the two different chambers, and the bills have to go through both parts, and the Congress has the the congressmen and women that are there, and, and that's called the House. And the Speaker of the House runs that chamber. And that Speaker is actually third in line to the President. If the President dies, the Vice President dies, the Speaker is the President. So it's a very powerful, big position. They control the agenda of legislation. They, there's a lot of control they had. There was a man that really, really wanted to be the Speaker, and you could watch it. Round after round, he didn't have the support to be elected to be the speaker, but he took something like 15 rounds and he tried to get concessions and he compromised and he did this. And I, I don't know the man, I don't know his heart, but just I'll say from the outside, what it looked like is, boy, did he want that chair so bad. He wanted that power. He wanted the hammer. He wanted that so bad. And he conceded and he did this and he did that and he cobbled together a bit of support. It lasted from about January till a, a few weeks ago and he got voted out because he couldn't please one side of the party. And, and then the race began again. 
And it was fascinating. Moments before, or days before he was going to be voted out, all the reporters would go ask this politician and that politician and the number two that might be, you know, the next person to take the role. And they'd ask, are you for the speaker? Are you for this? Are you for that? And the number twos and number threes, you know what they would always say? They would always say, oh, I'm for the speaker. I'm for the speaker. Yeah, we support the speaker. We support him. The moment he was voted out, their name is in the ring. What was their true intent? What do they say in politics? He who uses the dagger never wears the crown. Let someone else do the dirty work, but I'm right there because I really want that job. That's what they did. And all oh, they went through rounds and rounds, and it's, it was a, they, they found a speaker, but that was quite the mess. But round after round, what is it in this world of politics? Oh, I'm for this person, and I'm for that person. But the moment, we have a prime minister right now who's plummeting in polls, and you don't think for a moment there's many people that are just dying for that job, though they won't say it. They hold back, they, they wait for their moment, and they support the prime minister. They support, but there come a day, they're waiting, they're hungering for that. What's their intent? What's their motive? What's our motive? What was Uzziah's motive? Who went out and he took a golden censer. He had been a great king. And his position was to be a king. And he was a great king. And he began to look at the priests and began to say, I could do that job. I could do it better. He began to look for his opportunity. And one day he found an open moment in the temple. And he, he began to grab a golden censer and began to wave it. And the ministry came up. I think there was something like 80 minister, priests or whatever came up. It was a number of them that came up and said, Oh, king, you were a great king. We appreciate you as a king, but you're not meant for this position. And he was so lifted up. He, he had his opportunity, and, he, and God smoked him with leprosy, and it struck me. I wonder, I wonder myself, how often do I do that in my mind? I could do that job better, or I could do this. Not ever taking the action like Uzziah. It only ever lived here. Oh, God. And it becomes sin, leprosy. It becomes something wrong that takes us down a wrong path. Oh, I could do this or I could do that. Or God cleanse us from the inside out. God take us all the... We're, we're not meant to be in church politics. We're meant to be something different. I'll get to it in a moment. We're not meant to be who's running in church politics. We're meant to be the church of the living God. Meant to edify the body of Christ. We're meant to glorify God with everything we do. Not looking for our own mind or our own way. Oh God, cleanse us. Make us real. Make us something that would be real. What we're called to be is what Paul would say, an ambassador for Christ. And I begin to think about the word ambassador. It's very different, I would say, than a politician. A politician sets his name forward, and he, he runs, he gets all the votes, he, he sees this, he sees that. But an ambassador, there's different ways to getting to the world of being an ambassador, but he's appointed of the king. He's appointed of the prime minister, he's appointed of the president, and he's set out with a mission of his, to another country, to another place. And an ambassador is sent with a special message, uh, the Merriam-Webster would say ambassador, an official envoy. A diplomatic agent of the highest rank, accredited to a foreign government or sovereign as a resident representative of his or own, that gets word salady, but he, he's sent to another country and he's an authorized representative or messenger and he's got maybe a temporary assignment, maybe a long-term assignment, but he's representing a country and he's there. And what is an ambassador's true single purpose? 
to speak for the king back home, to speak for the prime minister that's back home. He's there as a vessel. He's the physical boots on the ground presence because the king can't be everywhere at once because he has your hands and your feet and and he has to use you and me The king will send or the prime minister will send an ambassador to to this country or that country or this place or that place. And he's there to convey the message of the king to the people and then receive word back and send it back, back to the homeland. He's there not of himself. He's there not to represent his message. He has no words of his own. He's only there to glorify one man, one kingdom. We are not and never will be called to be king. We can be the greatest singer or the best Sunday school teacher or the pastor or the, the minister or the, or, or, or the man or the woman that does this or that, the greatest prayer warrior, but we'll never be the king. Jesus Christ is the king. There's, no polit- there's nothing that will ever ascend to the place that will be Jesus. <laughs> there's only one king. We have only one purpose, one motive and one objective to serve him. We've been called to be an ambassador of him. Not a a politician looking for a role and how to climb, but looking for how do I serve my king? He's given me an assignment to this country. He's given me assignment to this job or to this school or to this place to represent him. There's nothing of me. He chose me for this place. And maybe I didn't want that country or maybe I wanted that country. But God chose me for that. How do I represent him? Oh, may we be real ambassadors. May we, whatever we do, may I preach the gospel without fear or favor. May we stand with the power of the resurrection flowing through us every day, living a life that would show the world that Jesus Christ is still alive. He's not dead, he's risen. He's living again through us. And it's not of our own power or our own might or our own anything. Maybe we could just turn to uh, Isaiah chapter 58. I hope this is okay. Isaiah chapter 58, it's a, it's a striking set of verses that, it's actually a sad set of verses, but, but how often we find ourselves in this position. Isaiah chapter 58, verse 1. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgressions. The house of Jacob, their sins, yet this is interesting, yet they seek me daily. They delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask me of me the ordinance of justice. They, they take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore have we fasted, say thee, and thou seest not. They begin to say, well, we've been fasting and it seems like you're not seeing God. We delight in your ways. We, we want this. We want that. Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast, ye find pleasure. Oh my, and exact all of your labors. You're counting everything that you're doing for God as good, as self-righteousness, as works, of something that you're building up. You counted, you, you exact all your labors. Behold, and he, God calls out the purpose of their fast. Oh, they delighted themselves in this and that of the Lord. But the purpose of their fast, the heart, the intent of their fast was this. For strife and debate. Behold, you fast for strife and debate. And to smite with the fist of wickedness. 
Oh my, you shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice be heard on high. Is it such a fast that I have chosen? God begins to ask, is this the fast? Is this the feast that I chose to do? As a man, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Oh, but we come to church and we do all these things. I, let me look at me. Oh, we do all these things, but what about that emptiness where we, we pull our own way or I, I look at myself where I pull my own way or I, I, the sincerity is not what it ought to be. Oh, God help us. Is it, wilt thou call this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I've chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness? To undo the heavy burdens? This is the true fast. To let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke? Is not to deal thy bread to the hungry, that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When this, that when thou seest the naked, to cover, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thy own flesh? Oh, that you don't cover your own sins from yourself and deceive yourself and think, oh, this isn't so bad, but oh, God, cleanse us. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning and thy health shall spring forth speedily and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord, when you take this fast, shall be thy re-reward. Then shalt thou call and the Lord will answer. Thou shalt cry and he shall say, here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, the speaking vanity, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, live for others, and, and then shall thy light rise in obscurity. Thy darkness shall be as the noonday. The Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make thy fat thy bones. Thou shalt be like a watered garden, a spring of water whose waters fail not. And they shall be of thee, shall, and they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. We have a, a, a scripture that shows that you can have a fast for strife and debate or for your own labors or for your own pleasure or you, you come to church and I come to church. We come to church in a way that wouldn't have that true desire and heart for God, but it's, it's just because we're supposed to go or, well, I'll enjoy the music or I'll enjoy the preaching, but we don't have the heart and sincerity and that, that something on the inside that is calling out for God and how can I edify God and, and what can I do for Christ today? How can I give him a fresh drink? And it becomes a fast of strife and debate and we, we have this new idea that we have and we want to push this thought forward and we want to, oh, and we all do it. I do it. We all do it. Brother Brandon would say, and I'm just going to take it a step farther. It was about 3 o'clock in the morning, I suppose. And this is the message of paradox, I believe. And I had gotten up, and I looked where in front of me, and I was coming down to the Jordan. Looked like I was standing on the map of Palestine. And I was coming down to the Jordan, and seemed like I could hear the song, I'm going down to the Jordan. Someone was singing it. And as I drew near the river, I looked and seen which way I had come, and I was two-thirds of the way there to the Jordan. And I looked across Jordan, and I said, oh, praise God, just on the other side is where all the promises lay. Every promise lays in the promised land. And then I come to myself. Could I have possibly, could I have been, was I dreaming because it's nighttime? See, a vision is something that you see with your eyes open like 
just like a dream. You're looking at it in your conscience, and, 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 he, and he goes down. And then I sat there, as I sit there a little bit, aside of this chair, all of a sudden, hear it come back again. Then I knew that it was a vision. And when I come into the vision again, it seemed like I was lifted up, sitting on a highway, a narrow highway with some brother. I, I never knew who the brother was, but I looked around and I said, now I am sure I know that this is a vision. The Lord God is here. And it seemed like everyone was afraid. And I said, what's so, everyone so afraid of? And a voice came and said, there is such danger in these days. There's a great hideous thing that's death when it strikes you. And I heard the weeds mashing down and I looked and, and there come a huge monster snake crawling through the weeds. And I thought, now, this is a vision. Then, then I'll see what it is. If it's a vision, I can't get hurt. I'm going to go take a look and see what it is, this animal or this beast is. And he crawled up on the highway. And as soon as I got sight of him, I knew it was a mamba. Now, a mamba is an African snake, which is the most deadly bite of all there is. There's nothing as poison as a mamba. And the snake, of course, represents sin, death. And there is, we have in this country, the rattlesnake, the copperhead, the cottonmouth, moccasin, many of these snakes that if you're in bad health and one would bite you, perhaps it would kill you. But you don't have to get aid of some sort right away. But when we go into Africa, when we go into India, we find the cobra, black cobra, bad snake, and he begins to lay out the different snakes. There's a, a yellow cobra, which is far beyond him. And the yellow cobra, the patient dies with, with such a horrible death, it dies from suffocation. It paralyzes the breathing system and they can't breathe. They open their mouth and they gape in trying to and die like that. That was the type of snake that was just one lick from getting Billy Paul, he said, when we, were in that, when we got the snake in Africa. But then there comes the mamba. He's deaf. He's so fast you can't see him. He goes over the top of the weeds, propels himself with the, black, with the back of his tail, just whoosh, and he's gone. Hits you in the face usually. Stands up high and strikes hard. And when he hits you, you've got just a few breaths and you're finished. And we live in an age where there's danger on the highway. There's death, there's fear, there's fear of death everywhere we go. Sin looking and looking and it's so blatant today. In today's world, it's looking to strike you right in the face with no opportunity to turn real. It don't only paralyze you, Get in the bloodstream, it gets the nerves, everything. You just die in a few seconds. Them native boys and track boys just, you can say mamba and they'll just butt their heads together and scream because it's death just a few seconds when one hits you. And there he was in the highway. I thought, well, well this is it. I, I looked at him, he looked angry at me and he licked his tongue and here he come. But when he got right close to me, he would run up fast, and then he would get slower and slower and just quiver and stop, and something would hold him off, and he couldn't bite me. Amen. Hallelujah. And he would turn around to the other side, try to approach from this side, and he would get back and get a start and swish right towards me, get slower and slower, and then a stop. And he would shake like that and move back. He couldn't strike me. Amen. Then he turned. He looked at my friend. He had been with this brother. And away he went after my friend. And I seen my friend just jumping away in the air and over him and over him and over him trying. And the thing was striking at him. And I thought, oh, if he ever hits him, it'll be instant death. No wonder everyone is so scared when this thing hits you. It's an instant death. And it was just striking at him like that. And, and I threw my hands up in the air. And I said, oh, God, have mercy on my brother. If that serpent ever strikes him, it'll kill him. And just then the serpent turned to me. 
when I said that and looked at me again, and a voice came from above and said, you have been given power to bind him, the worst, or any. Oh, hallelujah. Him, the worst, or any. And, and I said, well, God, what must I do? And oh, we know this vision. We know this. He says, there's one thing you must do. You must be more sincere. See, you must be more sincere. He said, well, I said, well, God, forgive me of my insincerity. And let me have sincerity. And, and when I raised up my hands to him again, there was a great something that came over me, just lifted me up and seemed like my whole body was charged with something. And I looked at that serpent and he started towards me and he couldn't do it yet. I said, Satan, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bind you. And that serpent, a blue smoke flew out of him and he curled up and made that sign like an S, capital S made backward, an and sign. And that means bind this or anything below him. Hallelujah. Because he was the worst. Blue smoke fell out of him and his tail choked up his own self to death around his head and he, he made this backward S like a conjunction and choked it to death and the brother was free. And he said, I, he said, I, I, I went over, I mashed on it and I said, I've got to go find out about this because it's a vision. There was something he realized, okay, this is a vision, it's a symbol, but what does God want to show me? And I hit on the thing and it turned like, it looked like a handle, a glass handle on a pitcher and it just made it solid crystal, it turned into like a glass. And I, think, I said, think of it, how quick. The blue smoke was life and everything. It left all the elements and it turned to glass, this snake, in like an, like an and symbol. And just then a, a voice came and said, you can unbind him also. And I said, then Satan, that I might know, I unbind you. And when it did, he started to come to life again, wiggling it. And they said, I bind you back in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. And when it did, the smoke flew out of him again. He choked himself right back. He turned to crystal. And when he did that, the voice said, now you must be more sincere than what you are to do this. Then it left me and I was standing in the room. A few moments, he says, and this is just life, he says, a few moments I heard a clock go off and my wife getting up and the children, you know how it is, I guess at your house, Juan, what am I going to wear today, mama? Where's my books? What do I do? You know, the house came alive and he, he still, ha he was just come from a vision and he wanted to know, what is this about? You know, just like any ho home, you can't hear yourself think hardly for all of them trying to get ready at once. So I slipped off into the den room and I got down on my knees and I said, Lord, I don't know these things. And what must I do? The children will be calling me to take them to school in a few moments. What must I do? And I looked around and, and my Bible was laying there and I said, Lord, if you forgive me, I do not believe in opening, just opening to the scripture and, and just taking something out of the Bible and saying that. But there is times when God can comfort you by such a thing. Just God, show me what I'm supposed to do, open and point. But there is times where God can use it. He says, and Lord, in this case of emergency right now, before your spirit leaves me, I don't know what to do. The kids will be an hour yet. Before they'll be gone, would you just show me if there's something you're trying to get to me? Heavenly Father, then let me know. I took this Bible. I put it open like this. My, my thumb was laying at 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. The eighth verse, when something like this reads, when you come, I was planning to take a fast. He says, I was planning to take a fast to the Lord. I told him I would go out and fast. He says, when you come to this feast, which a fast in the body is a feast to the Lord. We know that. When you come to this feast, don't come with the old leaven or the leaven of malice and so forth, but come with the unleavened bread of sincerity 
and truth. Not a fast of malice and strife and debate, but of sincerity and truth. Just exactly what he had told me in the vision. God is my solemn judge. That is the word. Brother Max, this is what struck me in the service on Sunday night as we were driving home. He defined what the word sincere meant. And and I began to look it up myself. And it's different than I think we think it is because it's different than I thought it was. When I think of the word sincerity, I think of seriousness, desperation. But it's a little different than that. It's actually a little different than that. The better word for sincerity, and I'll just read what it says, is this is the dictionary, free from pretense or deceit, proceeding from genuine feelings, saying that they saying what they genuinely feel or believe, not dishonest or hypocritical. The example is she sounded sincere enough. So it wasn't that she sounded serious enough. I can say I love my wife, and if I don't really in my heart, I can sound as serious as I am, but it's not sincere. Sincerity, another word is genuine. No pretense. No other intent. Pure. Open. Exactly what you say. When you say, God, I love you, you love him. There's no pretense but I want this, or it's not about the level of even, yes, there's a a measure of serious, there's a measure of desperation, but it's not even all that. You can be perhaps seeming casual, but deadly sincere, because I mean what I said. I told you the truth. Lord, I love you. I'm here to glorify you. It wasn't just about seriousness. We think of it that way, of working ourselves at an altar. And I want to be more sincere. I want to be more sincere. I want all of my wrong intent cleared out of the way. I want to be pure from the inside out. That's sincerity. To be true, to be real, to be genuine, to say what you genuinely feel or believe. Not hypocritical. This is just Google, but it says, what's the difference between honest and sincere? Honest refers to a person who tells the truth and does not lie or deceive. It's often used to describe someone who's straightforward, truthful, and trustworthy. Sincere, on the other hand, refers to a person who's genuine, authentic in their actions, feelings, and words. It's not just the passion we bring to it. It's the purity we bring to it. It's the genuineness that we bring to it. We know that we can be sincerely wrong. That's true. Brother Branham would say that. But this this feast was for sincerity and truth. It was a place where, when we're, Brother Branham would even say earlier in that message, maybe the man was wrong, but he was true in heart. God will bring him back around. Oh, God, give us that sincerity from the inside out. That would clear out all the channels. Brother Branham would say, as as I wind down, the word Pharisee means actor. The very word Pharisee means an actor. An actor is a mimic or impersonator. And how well does that fit our modern word of hypocrite? An actor, an impersonator, somebody who's trying to be something. As Congressman Upshaw used to say, when you're trying to be, you're trying to be something that you hate. That late congressman that was healed in our service after being in a wheelchair for 66 years, he used to say that, don't be nothing that you hate. Oh God. May we find that place, as I don't know exactly how to close, as I maybe never do, but may we find that place 
where God would come and begin to take all of the things that build up, all of the thoughts, all the ways that we can be like a Uzziah. I could do that better. I could do this. And it never even leaves our mind. It's only there. It's only here. We think this, or we, we push for that, or we, we promote ourselves in a better light than the story really that happened. We do that thing that puts our own something of ourself in front of us. There's one person to glorify. There's one kingdom to represent. There's one place, there's one purpose, there's one everything. That's Jesus Christ. May we glorify him with everything that we have. May we take him and may we look at our own hearts. We can discern the spirits of others and say, well, that's his intent. And we can be dead on. But now begin to turn the spotlight and say, what's my true intent? When I take the position that I have, when I, when I, when I set out and, and I'm a prayer warrior, do I come with pride in it? We think that we, think that we couldn't do that. We could. Whatever God has called us to do, we can bring our own self to it. Let ourselves die. Lay ourselves on that brazen altar. Let our, lay ourselves like on Solomon's platform. Lay ourselves in that place where we just die out to all of our humanity. Where the arm of flesh is dead. Where we realize we're nothing. And God can use us. Every true born again, discernment of spirit, every true born again prophet of the Lord. And then he goes down. He says, preacher, Sunday school teacher, seer, apostle, missionary, whatever he might be, his whole heart is set. And he's so filled with the spirit of God, so anointed, whatever his office is, whatever it might be to preach or to teach or evangelize or see visions, whatever it is, he'll do it for the kingdom of God. That's every born-again person. And the Spirit of God will speak right back through the man and, and manifest that it's the kingdom of God. Then me, as a Baptist, he says, I see you Pentecostals. You're my brother. You don't belong to the Baptist church. I did. That's the only church I ever did belong to was the Baptist church. But that don't stand in my way. I see what the Spirit of the God is with you. I see what you're trying to do. Well, if me, a Baptist, can feel that way, Surely the assemblies, the church of God, the United Pentecostals, the independents, this group, that group, everything. I see what you're trying to do. They're trying to preach the message of the hour, the best that they can preach it. That's their intent. I see that. All of us brothers together ought to see we're trying to work for one purpose. We're trying to work for one purpose. Let's have spiritual discernment. Listen in closing. He says, I'll make this last remark. Many are sick and weakly among you, and many are asleep, spiritually dead, because they don't have the discernment of the body of Christ. This sick body that we got, God help us to have spiritual discernment of that revelation of the kingdom of God and of the love of God in our hearts shed abroad by the Holy Ghost. To try to put our arms way out and say, we're brethren. And every little gift that you have, don't use it to try to make some great something for ourselves, let's make it for the kingdom of God. To work with everyone. To try to lift up the cause of Jesus Christ for his coming is soon. Do you believe it, he says. Amen. Maybe as the musicians would come. So often we have our humanity that comes. We contend with our arm of flesh every day. We contend with our our mindset or our daily thoughts, but May God come, and it's just been working on me, this thought that what is my true intent? What, 
What, what is it? What, what, what would it be that we, we look at and so many things we can even judge? The Bible would talk about a false weight or a false judgment. There was a, a man selling in a market would have his scale and the scale would lay out what the cost of something was. But he could, he could put something because you would lay out the, the thing you're going to buy on this scale and you'd see what it was worth. But you could put a false weight there, hide it in the bag and you could inflate the cost or make it a better deal for you as the seller. And it was an abomination to the Lord. A false weight was an abomination to the Lord, it says in the scripture. So often we present ourselves this way and we look down at that and we, we do all these things. But God let us remember that we're nothing. We're nothing but the dust of the earth. If God comes and uses us, praise the Lord. But oh God, I pray that we could get ourselves, get myself so out of the way that there'd be nothing but Jesus Christ. We could sing this song. I wonder if we could sing Refiner's Fire. Maybe we'll all stand and... Mm, purify my heart Let me be as gold And precious silver Oh, 
Lord Jesus. Lord, you know our hearts, Lord, our desires. I don't know if I felt like I delivered it like I felt it, but Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd come. You know the hearts that we bring, and sometimes they're just not what it should be. But, oh, God, forgive us. Take us in your hands, Lord. If that power to bind that, 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 that one, the worst or any, that if the power to bind sin and death lies in our ability to be genuine and clean and sincere, oh, God, make us more sincere. Let us rise up a little higher, Lord. Help us to have a sincere love for our brothers and sisters, a sincere love for the word and for truth, a sincere love for the dying world around us, something that would reach beyond and, and, and extend and push beyond our own comfort zone and our own ways, would have a desperation, would have a sincerity and, and a seriousness, but it would be based in just something so pure and true. God, I pray you just come. Take our hearts, Lord. Take my heart. Make us more like you. Lord, let it be that all we would see is you. Let it be that when, when the last song is sung, when the last final part is closed up, when a rapture is called, Lord, the world continues on into darkness. May it be that we'd be taken home with you, Lord, that we would have been serving you. And Lord, your, your prophet would say about resurrection, all that would serve to glorify you, that would serve for a purpose of you, would have a resurrection. Lord Jesus, may we be part of that. We commit our lives to you. I pray you take the words that were spoken, Lord. And let it not return void, but Lord, let it just go as something that we could take in the days ahead, Lord, to, to, to present our hearts to you, to look at our true intent. Lord, and to know that also when we have a genuine, sincere intent, that you'll hear our prayers. That you'll answer, Lord. You, you, a broken, a contrite heart, you'll, you'll in no wise cast out. But when we come with our hearts open and pure, our heart doesn't condemn us, we can ask what we want. And we can ask according to your will and we'll have it. You'll open the doors, you'll, you'll break the prison doors and loose the bands of heaviness and all the things and there'll be a feast, a true feast of sincerity and truth. Lord, I pray we'd have that place with you. We commit our lives to you now. In Jesus' name. heart of worship. We'll just give it back to Brother Ed. We'll sing that song, I'm Coming Back to the Heart of Worship. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come longing just to bring something that's a word that will bless your heart I'll bring you more I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear you're looking into my heart Oh, I'm coming back to the heart of worship Where it's all about you 
king of endless worth no one could express how much he deserves how much you deserve and although I'm weak and poor all I have is yours every single breath I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what much deeper within through the way things appear you're looking into my heart I'm coming back I'm coming back to the heart of worship where it's all about you it's all about
Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, for the example, Lord, that you've given us of, Lord, what we truly desire to be like, Lord. Lord, our heart's desire, Lord, is to be more like you. We just thank you for the service tonight, Lord. Just may we just become more fo focused in, Lord, on, Lord, what our purpose here on earth is, is for, Lord that we might be a reflection of you, Lord. Help us to be more sincere, Lord, that everything that we do and say might be genuine, Lord, and that there would be no crookedness in our path, Lord, but may we be, Lord, just more like you, Lord. And just pray that you lead us and guide us, each one in our lives, Lord, that our paths, Lord, might be pleasing to you, Lord. And may we just... Lord, die to ourselves, Lord, and be able to get our own carnal ways, Lord, and our shortcomings and our own thoughts, Lord, out of the ways that we can think like you, Lord, and be able to be a, a real testimony and witness, Lord, of, of who you are, Lord, and what you've done for us. Be with us as we go our separate ways, Lord. May your word linger in our hearts, Lord, and may we be able to keep our thoughts centered on you, Lord, Pray you keep the enemy away from us, Lord, and that your perfect will will be done in our lives, Lord, and in this church and each each heart, Lord, that our that our everything might be pleasing to you, Lord. We just ask it all in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Bless you. Well, we won't prolong the service, but we love you all, and it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. I trust tonight. And Pray for us. Me and Hannah will be disappearing this weekend to celebrate our 52nd week of marriage. So I, we thank you for putting up with me, and it's just a wonderful group to preach to. We, we love you all, and it's just a, it's a, it's a wonderful place to be. We love you. God bless you all. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord.